Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the latest installment of Keep the Receipt with Zangi and Altmush. We missed last week I believe and um, we got to cover a whole lot man. Uh, playoffs right around the corner. Um, there's a lot to cover so let's get right into it. Altmush kick us off. Let's go. Yeah the biggest news of I guess the last three four weeks has been the Steph Curry show in the NBA. He's been lighting it up, uh, although his streak of 30-point games just ended. Um, he had 11 straight games of 30 points, which is three times less than James Harden from two years ago. Uh, but it was a spectacular show nonetheless. He had three games in a week where he hit over 10 threes. He also holds a record for the most games with 10 threes, which is over 20. And I think the next person on the list is like Clay with like four or three and then Harden has two. He has more than the next like six. I think six. Clay has like five. Yeah. yeah. He's got more than the next like five, six players combined. So definitely been amazing. Steph Curry averaging 31, 5, and 5 this year. And the Warriors right now are sitting at the 10th spot. They're 30 and 30. They're 1 and 7 without Steph. So they're 26. Uh, they're 29 and 23 with Steph. And... Uh, I think I wanted to get your thoughts. So this is, you know, unprecedented territory for Steph where he doesn't have another all-star on his team and he's kind of doing, you know, the hero ball that Harden has done for a lot of his career. LeBron has done it for a lot of his career. Russell Westbrook has done it as well. And KD did it as well when, when Westbrook was out. And I think that, you know, this is the first time Steph is experiencing this. What do you think about Steph and... Do you think he has any chance of winning MVP and um, just kind of go from there? So, yeah, I mean, uh, first off, you know, shout out stuff like going berserk and bananas. He's had four games where he's had 10 or uh, 10 threes. So that's incredible. That's an incredible run. I think he's going all out. He really wants to make the playoffs and prove those doubters wrong. Right. And he's going to he, he's going to have a chance. He's going to have a chance to make the playoffs if he can beat those you know, playing games, and they, they'll have a chance to make the playoffs. They're right there. Um, now, are they going to get in? Ugh, man, it's going to be tough because the teams in the West are obviously tough. Now, Steph can make it happen because it's just a game. It's not like they're playing a series by any means. So, Steph gets hot for a game, it might be, you know, that's it. Like, and that can happen. Now, when it comes to a series, like, it's it's just not enough firepower for the Golden State Warriors. They just don't have the firepower to continue this on a, on a game-to-game basis. One game, playing game, getting to playoffs, yeah, they're going to have that chance. And I think they're, the, and especially the way Steph's playing right now, yeah, it, it it's looking good for, it's going to be scary for whoever is in that, you know, eight spot and, you know, and Steph's coming for you, you know? So with that being said, with all this, you know, crazy bananas shots and the incredible shots he's making, the highlight plays, the 10 threes, going crazy. No, he has no chance of making or getting the MVP. No. Like, there's players that are doing a lot more and their team's a lot higher. And they have been doing it for the season. Yes, Steph is crazily important and valuable to the Golden State Warriors. But when do we ever give a 10th seed an MVP? Are we yeah. really changing an argument here? Like, 10th seed in a regular season, you don't get into the playoffs. <laughs> Why are you going to give them an MVP? Yeah. Just because they can have a playing game? doesn't work like that. 
it's never been the case. It's not going to be the case this year. I hope it's not because, you know, the, the media is out there, you know, pushing this Steph agenda, um, which is beautiful to see. Um, and again, like his 30 point run is amazing. It's crazy good. But, you know, Harden's done it 32 times. He's top of that list of 30 points per game. And that's, you know, just just about 20 plus games short <laughs> of uh, Harden. But it's been done before. And, and Steph's style of doing it is definitely a lot better looking uh, compared to maybe Harden, who would go to the free throw line a lot. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he did, Harden's had, what, like three 10 three-point games? Yeah. Uh, he hasn't had much. And I'm sure during that stretch, he didn't hit no 10 three-points, maybe once, if anything. But at the end of the day, um, the 30-point games are incredible. They look really good. Uh, that's why I believe they're getting all the attention, and I hope that's the reason why they're getting attention or not because it's Steph Curry because it's been done before. Um, they just look really good, and I think that's where it's at. But MVP, uh, I don't think – I just think there's other players available that are out there that are doing a lot more for their team and are actually leading their team to a playoff berth. A couple of things about the Steph thing, right? It's what you kind of mentioned. Is it the stats, right? Right now, Steph – Everything that Steph has going for him is the stats. His team's not winning enough. They're 500. They're 30 and 30. They're yeah. the 10th seed, which means in a regular year, obviously now that they have the playing game, he would actually technically be in a playoff game, right? Even though it's the playing game. Um, on a regular year, he's not making the playoffs. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not too far behind the Blazers with the 7th seed. They're three games behind the loss column. The Blazers have 27 losses, and the Blazers have kind of fallen off. Uh, in, in the more recent times. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that, you know, the Steph could get into the seventh, eighth seed, but they've kind of been hovering around the same spot the entire year where they're like a few games below 500. They're a couple games above 500. And, you know, Steph's been doing this crazy stretch, but they didn't even like cover so much ground in the time that he had the streak. They didn't really like, you know, they could have maybe won eight, nine game of those, but they really didn't win as many games. Steph had a lot of good games, wasn't leading to a lot of wins. And I think that's the the other portion of it, right? When Westbrook won his MVP, which was the most unprecedented one out of the very recent history, almost NBA history to say the least. Yeah. I think Westbrook, you can go past two decades. I don't that that was probably the lowest seeded MVP. Yeah. In, in a very in, long time. Yeah, in a very long time. Yeah, they were forty five and thirty seven. Mm-hmm. They were the sixth seed that faced the Rockets that year when the Rockets were the third seed and Harden was the other competitor that year to win and you know, that was the one year where it didn't really matter about your record because it was a triple-double. It was 31-10-10. and 10. Nobody had done it in forever since Oscar, Robert did it, Oscar Robertson did it in the, in the 70s. So I understood the, the significance and the impact of that mark, right? The triple-double. Steph's not even averaging a triple-double. Like, you know, you could have an argument if he was putting up even astronomical numbers, but he's really not. Like, his averages are 31-5-5. Five five. Harden, two years ago... 36, 7, and 6. So if Harden can't win it when he averages more points, more rebounds, more assists, his team was winning at a higher clip. Uh, The Rockets were 53 and 27. Um, 53 and 29, the year that Harden averaged 36, which was two years ago, 2019. Um, If Harden can't win it and they're 24 games over 500, you're like, I mean, Steph can't win it when he's only like six games over 500. And if you extrapolate that for the entire year, you know, what is that like? You're looking right at maybe something similar to Westbrook, Westbrook's MVP, right? 45 and 37, you know, 42 yeah. and 40, something like that, right? And 
that's not MVP level, especially when you got other players like you mentioned. And I think that's the that's the main point, right? Like like you said, it looks amazing. Steph shooting step back threes and corner threes when he's double teamed and triple teamed, yeah. it looks beautiful. But the results are not showing that, and I think that's going to be the main thing that's going to hold Steph back. They don't win enough games for him to get it. And I don't want to hear the oh he doesn't have enough help. Literally every player that's had to do something similar like this has not had the help. LeBron in Cleveland did not have help, but he was winning 55, 60 games every year. And same thing with Harden. Harden never had the greatest help ever. He was winning 50 games every year. And Durant's done the same thing. Westbrook's even done something similar. Not not to the level of those guys, but definitely closer to that than what Steph's doing now. And this was my main thing when we first started talking about the seasons. And yeah, I told you that Steph's a great player. He's great he's amazing he's been an mvp he's all of that but there's a level that i don't think he has compared to the other guys that are in the top five of the nba whether that's Giannis, lebron harden katie uh you could even put Kawhi in there but i would maybe you could leave Kawhi out of it but i'm saying those three four guys for sure if you give them their own team they're winning more games than steph is the way uh, if you put any of those guys on the warriors right now for the sure. Warriors are probably in a better position than they are right now. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the main thing, right? Steph's going to put up a lot of stats. And, I mean, I, w- I would like to see a playing game because Steph in a playing game, you know, because they would have to win two games because if you're not the 7th or 8th seed, you have to win two games. So I want to clear yeah. that up. So unless they're the 7th or the 8th seed, they would have to win two games rather than one for whichever yeah. team is the 7th or the 8th. Right now they're the 10th, so they'd be facing the Blazers in a two in a an idealist, technically like a three-game series, but it wouldn't be a three-game series if the Blazers won the first game. Um, so it's a different dynamic, obviously, with the playing game. But I don't think that Steph's right now. I don't think he should really be considered. But everybody loves Steph, and he gets a lot of love. And we'll kind of see how that goes. Zengi, I did want to ask you if we both agree that Steph's not going to win the MVP. Who on your side do you think will probably win it? Especially right now, we're almost, what, uh, 60 games in. So we got like 10 games left for the season, 10, 12 games left for most teams. So unless somebody makes a dramatic change, I think where everybody is is kind of where it's going to end up for the most part, unless there's, you know, God forbid, an injury to any of the the leading candidates. I think I want to get your thoughts on who you think should win MVP. Yes, I mean, we've been talking about the MVP a couple episodes now. Uh, But I think I'm going to solidify here, and I'm going to stick to this. I think Jokic, um, the most Mm -hmm. consistent uh, player uh, the whole year, pretty much. He's had his second-best player go down, uh, Jamal Murray. And they're still – they might have lost one game since he's he's gone down. So, you know, Jokic has been up there in terms of statistically – his team is number four in the West. Um, you know, they do have a great record. And, you know, I think Jokic is going to be the guy that's going to lead. I, I know a lot of players had gone down um, because of the injuries. We were talking about Joel Embiid might be missing out on that, but he made a comeback, you know. And Harden, we were talking about Harden, but it, and I told you this, that was my dark horse, but he went down. Now he's injured. He's going to leave uh, that MVP conversation. Yep. But I think I'm, I'm going to stick with the most consistent guy, and that's going to be Nikola Jokic. That's going to be my MVP this year. And anybody else, I think there's arguments to be had in terms of, you know, uh, availability, their, you know, production and et cetera, and where their teams are. Um, you can argue other guys, uh, but I, I feel like there's, a, there's nothing you can say to Nikola because he's been carrying the torch. 
with or without his second best player. So, yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, I mean, Jokic has, you know, he's not putting up a triple-double, but he's damn near close to it. Very you know, close, yeah. 26, 10, and he's averaging 8.7 rebounds. I mean, 8.7 assists, Assist, I mean. Assists, yeah. Yeah, so he's almost at 9 assists a game. and, and tw- 11 rebounds a game. Yeah, so he's, you know, if you want to talk about stats and the numbers and, you know, availability, and I 100% agree with that, uh, that you can't... I think MVP should matter is how many games you play. And, you know, Jokic definitely has that going for him. For me, though, I, I really still think that Joel Embiid is probably going to win the MVP. Um, he's missed a lot okay. of games. Uh, he's missed a lot of games. But, man, when he's played, he's been dominant on both ends of the court. And the 76ers look like a completely different team when he's on the court. You know, he's averaging 31 and 10. So yeah. the stats are there as well. Uh, it's not like he's putting up some junk change numbers compared to Jokic. They're very good, and you know he's averaging more points. Yeah, um, fifty-one field goal, thirty-eight from the field. He's shooting eighty-five percent from the free throw line. Him and Jokic are like the only two big men. I mean, there might be a few others, but like they, they shoot very well from the free throw line as well. And you know that's got to be said for something as well. Yeah. But uh, they're nine and ten when Embiid has been out, so he's missed nineteen games. Which is a substantial amount, especially because it's a short short season. But I think that when he's been on the court, they're winning about seventy five percent of their games, and they're like the second seed right now in the Eastern Conference, right behind the the Brooklyn Nets, and mm-hmm. they're only one game behind. And I think that you know if Embiid could get the first seed, yeah. Although the records might be similar, I think there's something different about the fact that it's a first seed rather than a fourth seed that you know Jokic is at right now. Yeah, and I think that's a big portion of hey they were the first seed they weren't the fourth seed yeah and you know Jokic definitely has a strong case and you know how your team plays when you're not there they're the 76 are 9 and 10 that means they're below 500 when Joel Embiid is not playing they have other good players like Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons has been you know he's been okay but he's been inconsistent as well this entire year and he's been talking about how he should be defensive player of the year and all this other stuff and you know he really hasn't been amazing uh he hasn't been as i guess like his expectations he hasn't lived up to his expectations at least to me and i think that's got to be something to be said for that yeah so i mean statistically i mean the only thing i think Embiid has over Jokic is the fact that he is a better defender i think yeah Jokic takes a hit on defensive side although he's a really high steel center guy so, like, for a big man, he, he he gets a lot of steals. Like, he gets one and a half steal a game or something like that. So, but defensively, in terms of, like, field goal percentage allowed and et cetera, um, you know, Embiid is a better defensive guy. Yeah. Now, you look at other things. Field goal percentage, three-point percentage. Yoke is shooting 40-plus right now. Yeah. Um, his field goal percentage is higher than Embiid. And I believe the win share also is on Jokic's side at 13 compared to like 7. And in the recent stretch that we saw Embiid go down, the Philadelphia 76ers kind of just continued what they were doing in their spectacular play. Although, I mean, given that they were 9 and 10 in the full amount of games that he's missed, yeah. but in the recent stretch, you know, they, they kind of found their stride too without Embiid. And, I mean, you know, I get this point that this guy missed, you know, these 19 games. 
So we're like, oh my God, look at the record when he doesn't play. Yeah. But look at, and then we're talking about Jokic, who hasn't really missed many games. And then he doesn't have that type of, you know, an example like that because he hasn't missed any games. Yeah. So we're kind of like docking Jokic because Embiid's missed games, you know? Like, it, it's, it's a weird scenario, but um, I, I think like, if you're there every single game for your team and you're you know performing at a high level, I personally believe that gives I give that more credit than somebody that's missed almost 20 games. You know, 20 games, missing 20 games that's a lot. That's a chunk of a season. That's almost a quarter of a season, especially this year, right? Um, yeah. So I mean, that's a lot of games missed, man. And you haven't been there, and but you know, in terms of record, you know. West is always stronger. 39-21 is their records, I think, both respectively. They're second or first seed in the East, and Jokic is at the fourth. While he's also missed his second best player, Embiid is their best player, and he was missing. So, like, I personally think it's going to be Jokic. I don't see anybody else beating him. Um, Even if he misses these last 10 games, um, there's nobody that's going to beat like that shouldn't that should beat Jokic. Jokic deserves MVP, and he's my MVP. Uh yeah, I think this is gonna be a very thing because now it's gonna be a, a center is gonna win MVP for the first time. Modern day big. Yeah, presumably first time in a very long time. So I think I can't. I mean, the last guy I could think of that was a big guy was you know Dirk won it. I can't think of anybody else after that that won it that was as tall or even a power forward or even considered a center. Um, so that's Timmy, gonna be, Timmy won it. Yeah, but I mean, Dirk won it 2006. Yeah, yeah. So Dirk won it more recently. I than, mean, Giannis. I mean, if you consider him a big, but yeah, I, I consider like maybe he's Dirk, seven foot damn near. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but I, maybe I guess I guess traditional centers. Let me leave that yeah, out because yeah. then that kind of opens another can of worms, right? Yeah. But I think as a traditional center, that's kind of a you know big man. Everybody thinks is going away, and you know we don't need that. We just want. You know, three and D guys, we don't want anybody. And the two guys who are winning MVP or are probably going to be leading contenders to win it are both big guys over seven feet. And they're sort of traditional. They play in the post and especially Embiid. Yeah. He's more of a post guy. Like uh, Jokic is more of a, you know, modern day big where he's not necessarily always needing the ball in the post. He's He facilitates everything. and um, He facilitates out of the post. <laughs> yeah. That's the crazy part. So speaking of top MVP candidates, let's talk about the top NBA teams here. I want to start with the Suns because obviously that's my team. And they've had a rough little road trip. Started off well. Um, and uh, today's Sunday. The game just finished. So the Suns started off against the Milwaukee Bucks and the 76ers. You know, fully healthy teams. I, I think actually the 76ers were missing Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. But they had Embiid on the floor. You know, they they kind of escaped in Milwaukee with with that one point lead with the you know the controversial foul call, et cetera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you got the second game, you know, on the 76ers. Uh, they kind of escaped that one too. And uh, they almost uh, had a game tying uh seventy-five footer from Joel Embiid <laughs> off of a rebound yeah. uh drop in. But um they escaped that one. And um then you know you know, they came across the Celtics, which they were shorthanded. They didn't have Jalen Brown out there, I believe. And then they lost to the Nets today. So, man, it's it's kind of getting rough here. I don't know what, what, what to make of the Suns going into the stretch. I hope they get hot. We still got quite a few games left. Um, they were right there. And, you know, tomorrow they play against the Knicks. So, this is a 
five game road trip and you know coming out three two in in two back to backs um you know against top top eastern teams it's tough but you know if they can come out three two this kind of be like a mode of a success or a kind of a moral victory here for the suns but we'll see cuz i mean the the knicks are looking amazing they're they're on a nine game winning streak the new york knicks yeah. are on a nine game winning streak which is amazing to hear um in a very long time i don't know when that happened last but nonetheless um if the suns you know they need to find their stride I, booker had been struggling uh last few games he didn't even score a 20 point game in the last two or three games and then he comes out drops 30 something today 36. so 36 so i mean there's a lot to be had there and um uh, you know chris paul mentioned to monte that he needs to start getting those you know playoff minutes and so he can get in shape so i hope this is just an adjustment period and uh, you know these last few games that are coming up and you know it starts to you know settle down for the suns and start figuring out exactly what they want to do because the playoffs are not going to be easy, and regardless of what team they face uh, in that first round, it's going to be tough. One, the Suns are inexperienced. Aside from Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and a little bit of Darius Aric, they are inexperienced ball club. And it's if they're struggling going into the playoffs, it's going to be rough. If especially if you go against like the Portland Trailblazers with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, who are an experienced vet team uh, that have been in play, tough playoff games and have had success in playoffs uh, in recent memory. So with that being said, that's their matchup right now. I really, really want the Suns to start kicking back and you know, you know, taking up a notch and figuring this thing out because you know these last three or four games, even even those victories, like they were okay. Um, and obviously, like, you know, a, a dub is a dub, you know. But at the end of the day, like, it, it wasn't satisfying to watch. It wasn't, like, uh, it wasn't convincing to me. And, and and that's been the case the whole year for the Suns, like, I, I believe. But And they, they, they did hit a good patch in the middle there uh, where they won, like, eight, seven or eight straight. Um, and, you know, that was a little convincing, like, going to the – and then this little stretch hits, and then it's like, like, I don't know what to do because – when the playoffs come, it's going to be tough teams. So that's where I'm at with the Phoenix Suns. Look, I, yeah, the Suns, um, they're, I'm very similar in terms of your thought process on the Suns. I think that, you know, them not having played in any big games uh, might come back to bite them uh, come playoff time. But I think the first round, they'll probably be okay. I think that they're, they'd be heavy favorites against Blazers. Maybe not heavy favorites, but I think they'd be good. They'd be good favorites to win that series. I think anybody, sec- I mean, if the Suns somehow get to the first seed, they're not too far behind. Or if they fall to the third seed, I think that they, they would be facing the Mavericks. And I think that any of those teams, they would probably have a good chance. I, I think you probably want to avoid the Mavericks. You probably want to avoid Luka. Um, not that the Suns couldn't beat them, but hey, the easier it is, why not take the easier route? And, you know, they're two games behind from Utah, so it's not like other uh, realm of possibilities that they could get the one seed. But right now, like you said, they're in a rough patch. And, you know, it's not it's no shame to losing to <laughs> Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie and KD, uh, and obviously no Harden. But you know, losing to Boston Celtics uh, and only scoring eighty six points. Shorthanded. Yeah, exactly. That that's a yeah. a terrible loss, especially down the stretch of these. And then before before actually before the little stretch started, they lost to a shorthanded Spurs team. They got blown out of the water. 
Yeah. Like, that's inexcusable to me. Uh, shorthand and Spurs team, you know, with nobody out there, like, dude, you lost and you're, you're second seed. Like, th- those things are inexcusable, and that shouldn't be happening this late in the season. Yeah, and, I mean, they were... Uh... They were really close. I think they played the Rockets very, like, tough, and the Rockets are really bad. So, you know, they were close in games against the Rockets and teams that, you know, they should be blowing the doors off. Like, sadly, the Rockets are one of those teams this year. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that's kind of the thing is, is they haven't really been convincing recently. And, uh, you know, they beat Utah. So it was like, hey, you beat Utah. You, you gained a game on them, but then you gave it away when you lose to the Celtics right. shorthanded, you know. And these last 10 games... It, Every game matters, and I think the Suns want to have as much home court as they can throughout the playoffs, assuming they keep advancing. And obviously, if you get the first seed, you get home court throughout. But if you get second seed, you have home court at least to the second round as well. And those things matter, especially for a team like the Suns, who you know have a whole bunch of young guys that you know will feed off the crowd. And if they don't have that, or they just have it for one round, you're running into maybe the Clippers in the second round, and you probably don't want. I don't. I don't think the Suns want to face the Clippers without home court advantage. If you're going to face the Clippers, you ideally would want to have home court yeah. against a team like the Clippers. Whether you can say all the things you want about the Clippers, but man, they got players who played in big games, and Kawhi Leonard is still there, and Paul George is still there, and they've got players, and Serge Ibaka, and you know they've got a whole bunch of squad of players that have big played in big games, won championships as well, and the Suns are lacking that. Yep. And I think the Suns don't want to, I think the Suns also want to avoid the Lakers. You don't want to get into, nope. you don't want to face LeBron. It doesn't <laughs> matter what round. It doesn't matter how healthy or not healthy he is. Yep. Anthony Davis just came back. So, although they just lost a terrible game very recently uh, when he came back. But I think that's going to be the biggest thing is you don't want, you want to avoid LeBron. Everybody wants to avoid LeBron as long as you can avoid him. Yep. Eventually you have to beat him. Most likely it's somebody's going to. Yeah. Somebody's gonna have to beat him eventually, yeah. and I don't know if it's gonna happen in the West, but we'll yeah. kind of see. I mean, LeBron's still not back yet, and there's only like ten games left. But yeah, I mean, speaking speaking of the Clippers, I guess let's get into that because they're a hot team right now. Yeah, they won four straight. They're looking really good. I mean, that that's gonna be a team that that can climb to the first spot. They're not that far behind from the first seed. Yeah. Um, they're two games behind, just like the Suns are, and I believe they do have the tiebreaker over the Suns, so they automatically have that. And I mean, it's looking it's looking rough for the Suns because the Suns can drop pretty easily while the Clippers are hot, and then you know, and the Clippers can climb up and they could take over that first seed, and that 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 could be a real real backbreaker for a lot of Western Conference teams, besides maybe the Lakers, because um, aside from that team, like uh, that's the only one we've always we've said all season long that you know can actually match up with the with the Clippers. And here we are, you know, and they're right in the mix of it. And they could definitely come up and take that first seed. Yeah, and the Clippers are there 9-1 in the last 10 games. <laughs> so the Clippers have been, they're kind of rolling at the right time. And, you know, there's 10 games left. And the biggest thing with the Clippers has always been health and chemistry. And I feel like they're And pandemic of, P. Yeah. <laughs> Or playoff P. Exactly, playoff. But he's, like, the last couple, last few games, he's had 30, a couple 30-point games. So he's been balling out, and he's been playing very well. And, you know, I think everything about the Clippers doesn't matter, especially Paul George himself, does not matter until he does it in the postseason. And that still remains to be seen. Ever since he's left Indiana, he really hasn't had any success of any playoffs of anything sort. And I think that's going to be the thing, especially after last year when you – 
blew all those leads to the Denver Nuggets in the bubble. You know, I think nobody's really taking the Clippers, especially nobody's going to like believe the Clippers until they actually do it. And everybody knows they have the capability of doing it. It's just a matter of actually going forward and doing it. And, you know, I think the Suns, Suns will be in a tough dogfight if they get to the second round after face the Clippers. Probably Definitely. the Clippers will be favored in that series, rightfully so. Yep. But you know the club, the the Suns do have an X factor in Chris Paul when that guy's amazing in big games and you know whether he has a history of like not showing up in some of the games, but man, like Chris Paul is. I saw it firsthand. Chris Paul in the playoffs, when he's got it clicking, he's just a ma- he's a master conductor. He's got everything under control. Mm-hmm. And the Suns definitely need that. You know, they need that veteran leadership to kind of hold them together in those because there's gonna be those runs when teams make those crazy runs. You need you need somebody to kind of calm the ship. You want them to calm the storm. And I think Chris Paul is definitely that guy for the Suns. But that remains to be seen. And you know, there's that big guy, number twenty three in the Lakers, that's kind of just chilling out and he's getting ready in the lab, you know, he's just mm-hmm. behind <laughs> and that's going to be the biggest X factor. LeBron comes back healthy, man. I just, I don't see anybody in the West beating them. But yeah. uh, we'll see. So, Zangi, we'll leave the West alone for the time being. Um, and we'll kind of head over to the East and talk about the Nets. Uh, we hadn't recorded in a while. And, you know, sad news for LaMarcus Aldridge. He had a regular heartbeat and he decided to retire. I do applaud him for that. You know, a lot of players would probably still go through and play the season. Even though he said he felt fine, everything was okay, you know, there's a lot of players that would be like, oh, I want to ride it out. And, you know, I felt that Lamarcus being in a place that, you know, he felt comfortable enough to retire or, you know, give up his NBA career. It's a very strong and bold move, especially because he came to the Nets to try to win the championship. He had done everything else. He had had all-star appearances. He'd been in the playoffs. He'd won series. And, you know, the thing that had eluded him was a ring. And, you know, for him to say, hey, my health and my family is more important than that. You know, props to him for that. But Zengi, what do you think the impact is of that? Because originally, when the, before they got Lamarcus, DeAndre Jordan was heavily in the rotation, and once they got Lamarcus, DeAndre Jordan kind of just slided out of the rotation, mm-hmm. and now he's back. Yeah. And how do you think that plays out? Do you think that you know every everybody said it was going to be a cakewalk, and they're just Mickey Mouse to the finals, right? And I don't think that's the case. Even with Lamarcus Aldridge, but you know, what do you think that impact has on uh, the Nets going forward? Yeah. So first off, shout out Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, for taking, you know, uh, he, he could have had a championship, right? And you know, I hope he gets better, and I, he is better, and I feel like he stays that way. And for his family, he said, you know, I'm gonna step out because of my family, and that's what's more important to me now. Before I would have taken the other route out, and basketball wasn't a priority. But now it's his family. So, you know, good good, good luck to him in his future. And obviously, you know, we'll love to see him down the road in like a, you know, reporting slash analyst type of deal sometime. And, you know, kind of get his take on other things. But, you know, that's good for him. And, you know, he could have had a championship, right? And the reason why I say this again is simply because LaMarcus Aldridge didn't make a difference. They have <laughs> James Harden. They have Kevin Durant. They have Kyrie Irving. And, man, today I'm watching this game, right? And I'm like, dude, Kevin Durant hasn't played in, you know, he hasn't really played. And he was out, injured, out, injured, comes back, injured again, blah, 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 so on and so forth. This dude dropped 33 on the Phoenix Suns on a high, you know, on a high-seeded team in the West. He dropped 33 like it was nothing. Kyrie Irving had 
darn near 30 points as well. That's just two guys that you have to worry about right now. And, you know, they're talking about how these guys haven't played together. I I forget what the saying was, but they constantly keep alluding to the fact that, oh, this whole, all three guys haven't played together. Man, you know how hard is it to, like, play just against two guys that did this too hard three guys like <laughs> hardened two like it's incredibly difficult to guard three superstar level talent type of dudes two for sure two superstar talent one borderline superstar in Kyrie like it is difficult to guard these guys period and LaMarcus or no LaMarcus I don't think I still think it's cakewalk for these guys. Like I said, it's a championship or bust for the for the for the Brooklyn Nets. You know they gotta get this championship. They have way too much talent, and again, their health is starting to become a how do you say a concern, right? And they've constantly been injured. And one player comes in, the other one goes out. One reason or another, whatever it might be, you know. And this is starting to become a concern for the Brooklyn Nets, especially walking into the playoffs. Harden's still out at the moment. And obviously, if they don't get right, they could be booted out um, because the Milwaukee Bucks are playing well as well. The 76ers are playing well. So they're going to have tough matchups. I mean, obviously, like I said, if they're all healthy, it's it's going to be tough to beat the Brooklyn Nets and any team in the league is tough to beat the Brooklyn Nets. And with that being said, LaMarcus Aldridge or no LaMarcus Aldridge, the Brooklyn Nets better win this title. Yeah, uh, you know me, I, I want them to win, especially for Harden. But I think the main point is, like you said, they really haven't played many games together. But man, I think Harden is the... The conductor, he's gonna make make everything go together. Um, just cause when he when they did play those few seven eight games, very early when Harden got traded, obviously at that time Harden was just learning the ropes with the teams. But when they had that, you could see Harden kind of putting everything together and getting Katie the ball in his you know his positions and getting Kyrie the ball in spots that Kyrie wants it, and that's kind of what it's gonna take, right? Harden, I, I don't think you can't win the title if Harden is not healthy or Katie's not healthy. You might get to the finals if there's no Kyrie, but Kyrie's been relatively the most healthiest player on the team. He's the one who played the most games, and you know maybe I jinxed Harden by saying he never gets injured because um, he's injured and he had a setback and he was supposed to come back last week, and then he had a setback and now he's out indefinitely. I'm hoping he comes back before the playoffs to kind of get you know, some rhythm going uh, just because you don't want to build the rhythm during the playoffs, which they probably still could do it because the teams that they're going to face in the bottom of the Eastern Conference are not very good at all. So yeah. it's not going to require much for them to, you know, maybe sweep them or win in five games. The the, the, the tasks are going to start coming in the second third, second round in the, in, the, in the conference finals, assuming they get there. Because the main thing is who's going to guard Embiid, right? That's going to be the biggest thing for against 76ers. And same yeah. thing for Giannis, right? Who's going to guard Giannis? And right. they don't really have an interior presence. DeAndre Jordan is old. He's not that guy anymore. Nope. And that might be their definitely their biggest Achilles heel is how do you deal with the big man that can score at will practically. Dominate you. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to be the biggest concern for them. But obviously, I still think, man, the firepower on the other end is just so overwhelming that... Who do you leave open? Like you, It's still the same question. Who do you guard? Who do you not guard? Who do you double team? Who do you leave open? 
it's like you double team KD, you're gonna leave either Harden or Kyrie open, and you vice versa. You just go down the list of the players, and you, it's the same thing. You're gonna leave KD open or Kyrie, or you're gonna leave Harden and KD, and it's just so much firepower. And you know what? One thing I want to add here is like, you know, when I was watching KD today, and I was thinking about this, I was like, man, KD doesn't have any type of pressure, like in terms of. You know, that that he's previously had. Like, he was on the, you know, Warriors, and he needed to perform, right? He needed to come out there and be KD, KD right? Yeah. I feel like that pressure's off of him. Mm. And I feel like that makes him even more lethal. I feel like he doesn't have to worry about anything. He's like, he doesn't care. All the pressure's off of him because Harden's, like, been the, you know, who everybody's been beating with the hammer this whole year. And, and so, like, KD... Is gonna be freaking lethal and it's gonna be scary because you can't, you can't single like, you have to double cover. You have to, you have to double team this man. It's it's like a mandatory thing. This guy's a seven footer that can pull up from anywhere, you know. And I think it's gonna be crazy lethal to see like how the Brooklyn Nets are even defended if they're healthy. Yeah, uh, and that's always been the thing with KD, man. It just seems so easy for him. Like it looks so easy. Uh, remember those crazy series against the Rockets where, man, it was just like the Rockets would be playing great defense on Steph and Clay and Draymond, and then KD would just turn around, fade away, bucket, cross up, jump shot from the elbow. Like, it's so easy, and he's still doing the same thing now. Nothing has changed. He just does it. It looks so effortless. And, you know, when you have Harden and Kyrie on the court, it's just like, who do you really guard? Like, it really is the question, and I don't know if any team has the capability of doing it. You just hope that they're off or... They're also lethal. Exactly. Kyrie can do it. Kyrie had 34 today and 11. Yeah. So, like, Kyrie can give you 40 any given night. Harden can definitely do it. And KD for sure can as well. And that's going to be the biggest thing with the Nets is, you know, they just got to have some chemistry and some camaraderie going into their playoffs. I think if they have that, they're going to be the team to beat. I don't... I mean, you still have LeBron and AD and you got to respect that. But, man, there's... I, I still think the Nets are probably the heavy favorites to win the title, uh, assuming that you know there's no other injury to any of their players. I think LeBron and AD coming back will make the, the finals very interesting, assuming they'll get there, because uh, that's a big concern on LeBron's side is maybe you don't get out if LeBron's not healthy or AD is not AD. And AD really hasn't been AD the entire year. Yeah. And that's going to be the kind of the last point that I wanted to make, Zungi, if you had anything else to add. No, I don't, but I do want to add this. We, we out. out.